All right, Blog Talk listeners, thank you for joining us tonight. All right. All right, Blog Talk listeners, thank you for joining us tonight. Yes, we are doing Wednesday Warriors and working out our technical uh, things here in our uh, ever-changing environment. So we're getting ready to go live on Periscope here in just a moment, but we want to thank you for tuning in and joining us for this edition of Wednesday Warriors where we're going to be talking about Chapter 7, Abraham Lazarus and uh, the rich man in hell together. I was going to say something else. All right, we're getting ready to get started. All right, all right. Welcome, welcome, Wednesday Warriors. I know you were wondering if we were going to be on, but sometimes we have to war to get to Wednesday Warriors. So I'm excited to join you today uh, in this edition of Before the Garden uh, Weekly, uh, uh, I'm going to say Bible Book Club, but I guess it is because we are going through the Bible. But our weekly book club was Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum. And, of course, it is written by our favorite author, Dr. Paula A. Price. And so I'm excited today. We've got some great things that we're going to go over and discuss. Um, We're going to work on being able to get you guys some visuals because I know you kind of missed that. I kind of missed the visuals as well. So we're still working through those things in our new environment as we are in some transitionary times here before the garden. But you know what? The time and place does not dictate the word that God is going to reveal to us. And so we're, I'm excited anyway uh, to continue this journey with you and for us uh, to uh, walk through this whole entire process together as a group and as a, uh, the elect, the offspring, those who really understand who they are in God. So I'm excited about that today. And I want to get started with going through some things. First and foremost, I want to give you guys a chance to get your books. You should already be ready with your books, uh, already open, your journal, turn to Chapter 7, ready to go through some things today, your coffee in hand. You should be ready with all of those things right now. Um, and ready to do it. So I'm excited about you guys joining us and coming on, giving you a moment to, to, to get comfortable, to share with your friends and to invite people and, and, and let the other warriors know that we are willing and able and ready today to move forward in what God has called us to do. Are you? I am. I want to thank you all for your continued weekly support of Wednesday Warriors and sticking this journey out with me to go through this book. I so appreciate that. Um, It's a a wonderful time. I'm I'm enjoying the revelation. I'm enjoying us breaking bread together, going through these thoughts line by line, because it takes a moment to understand God. He's not, you can't rush him. God's not, God's not a speed through. You can't, you know, he's not to drive through God. You can't just speed through him. You can't just drive through him. You've got to take your time to connect. You've got to take your time to get uh, uh, into the intimate parts of who he is, into the, the nuances and subtleties of his character and nature that show up in that word. So this is not a speed-through moment. Most of you guys who have the book know that you can't speed through this. You've got to take some time with this meat. Get your knife and fork out, cut it into some small pieces, and and allow yourself to taste it and digest it, and then allow it to nourish who you are. Literally go into the the spiritual, the physiological DNA of your makeup and begin to shape and nourish and, and develop who you are. So that's what we're doing on Before the Garden today, so I'm excited. Y'all ready out there? They getting ready out there with me? All right, because I'm ready over here. So I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for uh, uh, supporting a page, joining the group. We're going to do some fun things uh, with Before the Garden. We're going to begin to kind of uh, break some things down together during the week. So I want to thank you for uh, being a part of that uh, because I want us to have some time beyond this moment, amen, to connect with this information, for you guys to ask questions, for us to really delve into some things that we don't always get a chance to in this segment or in this uh Uh, type of session. So I want us to be able to do that on the Wednesday Warrior Book Club. I want us to do that in the group. I'm going to make some announcements on the page so that we can stay connected all week long because being a Wednesday Warrior is not just a casual interest, but it is a life pursuit. And we are pursuing something together. We're pursuing a goal. We're pursuing a destiny together. And so I want us to continue to do that throughout the week and to stay connected. 
Um, I'm sure some of you guys saw some of the fun things that we are going to do Monday through Friday because many of you have joined this uh, journey with us at various times. Some of you guys were there in the very beginning when we started with page one of this book. Some of you guys didn't join us until chapter five when we went live on Periscope. And so there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of uh, previous information that you want to be able to get a hold of and understand. Of course, you can go back and listen to Did you swipe it off? Would you like clear it off with your fingers? There's a napkin over there. That's all right. We gonna work it through. Yes. I'm coming out blurry. Yeah. We gonna work on it. Mhm. Nice and crisp. Well, Blog Talk, we're working on some technical issues with the phone. You guys have got to pray for our technology on Wednesday Warrior Day because, my God, do we go through some things <laughs> when it comes to that. We ready to get back to it? I don't know. No, she just she said the picture was not was blurry until she was yeah, so she was trying to figure out. I don't know if that's it or if it's just a phone period. My phone is horrible like on Periscope. Did you want to use my phone? Yeah, I don't know. No, I just need to log into your account. Okay. Huh? It might be better, but yeah, because if we can. Might as well while I'm off. All right, blog talk. This is our technical. I don't know. We're gonna find some some well really. You know me, I want to be able to come off the phone, period, and be able to do camera because um, I'm just done with the phone drama every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, the phone drama. And her phone isn't the best for Periscope. And uh, Tamira's and mine is the filter is, is busted. I'm going to try to see about that, get that taken care of so we can stop the drama of the phones. I don't know. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We'll just get through tonight. And I'm going to have to work out another solution for this. It's driving me crazy.
that's doing this. You have it off of take it. Did you take it off Wi Fi? Yeah, then I put it back online. I'm trying to figure out. I'm giving me the goal. Okay, we connect it again. I get my arm. Um, I get my butt to go live. It's because it's the internet connection is too slow. <laughs> We're back. All right, we're back. Okay, so Wednesday Warriors, you know we're going to have to do. We're going to have to war for Wednesday. We have these technological devils that come up every Wednesday, and I need y'all to war with me that we can get these things resolved and resolved quickly uh, because I know that the enemy does not want you guys to have the word and get connected to this information, and so every now and then he likes to come and try, uh, try me in this but we are determined today to go ahead and, and, and at least get something out uh, to you all. So we're going we're gonna to press through. We're going to continue to plow some ground. But definitely, I covet your prayers in this um, so that we can continue to move forward. All right. So we're going to go ahead and jump into Chapter 7 because we have been trying to pull some things together for you today. Uh, we keep talking about us um, Moving forward in this chapter, and I promise you we are definitely going to do that tonight. Uh, first and foremost, I want to say, uh, of course, continue to check me out, not only on Facebook but on Twitter as well. I'm going to be starting some uh, daily warrior chronicles to keep you guys empowered and to keep you fortified in what God has called you to do. Um, it's important that we continue to feed that side of your DNA. Remember, our goal is to feed your divine nature and to see to it that it becomes powerful enough and strong enough to sustain you and to literally overpower the darkness that's trying to be at work in you, the iniquity that you're shaped in. So we're going after that divine nature and building that up and, and literally working on the part of you that, that will live forever, that part of you that will go beyond the flesh and go beyond this world. You know, we call, we, uh, you saw the tag phrase on Wednesday Warriors' uh, uh, Facebook page and group page that we are not mere mortals. We are not working on trying to fix and preserve our mortality. We're working on converting and transforming ourselves into the immortality that God has for us. That is the objective is to do so. Yes? We out again. Yes, are we back? Are we still in? All right, we're still in because you know we're trying to give us a prep today, all right, between the Internet and all of those fun things. But we are working on our immortality. And as you saw in our, uh, in our, our post on Facebook form from the Wednesday Warrior page, I encourage you all this week to not live like mere mortals and to not live like you are just a part, uh, uh, just some flesh in this world, because that is not who you are. That's not what God called you to be. And so I want to constantly remind you on a regular basis that you are not a mere mortal. So if you didn't have a chance to check that out, my goodness, we talked about it. Your weapons of the week. Every Monday I want to give you some weapons of the week that you can use, okay, to fortify yourself and continue to build up your divine nature, the nature of the Godhead in you, the nature of the offspring in you, the nature of Jesus Christ in you. I want to continue to give you things to focus in on that. With so much in this world trying to pull you back into the cult or the cultures of the earth, you need something to constantly remind you where you come from. And earth is not where you came from. Earth is not where uh, your, you get your strength and your power. The Bible says we cannot live 
by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Uh, immortal people, divine nature people, sons and daughters of God live off of heaven. They do not live off of the powers of the earth. And we talked about that for your Monday post, okay, before we did our flashback Tuesday. Okay, we said our warrior Monday was teaching you not to be a mere mortal, remembering according to Second uh, Corinthians 5, 1 through 5, that your nature is constantly growing for its eternal estate. It's constantly pushing for its heavenly home and for its heavenly resource and power and to go back to what it, where it began. We know that our life didn't begin on this planet. It began in heaven, in the spirit, with our God. So it's constantly groaning for that connection and for that union. So understanding your goal for the week is to not respond to life like this earth owns you because it does not. We are no longer mere men but eternal beings waiting and groaning for our immortality. Remember, we talked about that, that the work of the cross does not complete itself in you. The work of Jesus Christ does not stop until you cross over into your immortality, until the death that's working against you every day is swallowed up in that victory. Until you get there and until you reach that point, the work of Jesus Christ is not completed. That's why he said, he that has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Well, what is the day of Jesus Christ? The restitution of all things. When he has reconciled everything between heaven and earth, when all of this has passed away, when he's eradicated sin, when he has put uh, uh, the enemy completely under his feet. Oh, come on. That is the day of Jesus Christ when you are rising up in his authority and power, and none of this has a hold on you anymore, where the conditions and infirmities of your soul have now been brought subject or washed completely clean by not only the blood of the land, but the power of the endless life we have in Christ Jesus. We're talking about the power of the endless life that we have in Christ Jesus. I always think it's amazing that we're always looking for the fountain of youth. And here we are as Christians with complete access to it. Jesus came for us to live forever, not to just live well on earth, not to just be good Christians, not to be just good uh, citizens, but for us to live forever. This is not our final estate. We know that this is our testing ground. This is our vetting ground. This is our sifting and sorting ground and our proving ground, but it is not our home. So you can't live your life as if you are bound to the consequences of this world. Oh, come on. This week, remember that. You are not bound to the consequences of this world. The whole idea of us being seated in heavenly places, having the binding and loosing power, God giving us, a, a delegating to us a measure of his authority in the planet is so that we're not bound to the consequences of this earth that were triggered when God uh, released the curse in the garden. Oh, come on. When God released that curse, there was a whole bunch of consequences that were set forth, but we are not bound to those consequences. Hallelujah. We are not bound to that. We are literally being groomed to live above that, to live above the nature of this world, to live above the cult of this world. And everything is about taking you back to, to your nature, glorifying your nature, right down to us glorifying our, our imperfections and all of those things, getting you to glorify your nature. That is that mortal mind. That is that mind of Cain, glorifying what is in the flesh, okay, testifying to what the flesh can't do, constantly uh, 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 praising and rewarding your weaknesses. See, that's the mortal mind. We're going down again. All right. Okay. And so that's the mortal mind. But the immortal mind understands where it comes from, understands it understands the birthplace of its real and true nature. And that's what Before the Garden is all about, getting us ready to live in the reality of who we are in Jesus Christ. Not who we are as humans, but who Christ called us to be. He's getting us ready to live in that reality. So remember your Warrior Monday tip. And, of course, our Flashback Tuesday, okay, praise God, we have a Flashback Tuesday. I want to just kind of go over some things. This, uh, this week's Flashback Tuesday.
Tuesday comes from the beginning of uh, the prologue of the book. Yes, and if you are listening to us on Blog Talk, you can join us on Facebook Live. We're about to switch because Periscope is not wanting to do it for us today, and we're already up. Hello, Facebook Live. We're joining you here. We're having some technical difficulties on the Periscope, so we are switching because we're not going to be defeated today. Praise the Lord. So thank you for joining us on Facebook Live. We'll make sure that my uh, Periscope listeners who do not do Facebook get a copy of this broadcast today. But hello, Facebook. We're joining you now uh, in the middle of Wednesday Warriors or before the Garden uh, Weekly Bible. Uh, I I keep wanting to call it Weekly Bible Study, but our our Bible uh, book club, or I should say our weekly book club, we're in the middle of it today, um, bringing you this edition of it dealing with Chapter 7, Abraham, Lazarus, and the Rich Man in Hell. We're talking about the Flashback Tuesday. Okay, you guys got a Flashback Tuesday. It was from page uh, 16 in the prologue of the book, just taking you back to some things that we already addressed and acknowledged in Before the Garden already. All right, and, and in our Flashback Tuesday, we're talking about a quote that Dr. Price makes, uh, okay, a revelation that she gives us or highlights in that section where she talks about the principal goal of before the garden, okay, is to discredit the notion that Jesus did not exist before he came to the world. That is the important part of the continuum. Everything about the continuum hinges on Jesus' existence before he became flesh. This whole thing started before then. So in that flashback, the reason the story of Jesus Christ and his gospel seems to have so many holes in it for many believers is because we are tracking his story from the virgin birth and not from eternity. Jesus Jesus was not technically born on earth. He came to earth via the Holy Spirit and was planted in Mary's womb for the purpose of physical appearance and rightful entrance into, into human genealogy. He showcased in his own planetary arrival, oh, let me go back here, his own planetary arrival, he showcased in that how we would end up being born again, uh, how we would end up being born again. And so I go on to talk about how Jesus' life began before he hit Mary's womb. And if we lock everything down in the gospel story to just when he arrived in Mary's womb, you will miss the purpose of Christ and miss the purpose of Christianity because it did not start. The gospel message did not start with the virgin birth. The gospel message started when Jesus Christ determined that he would, A, have his own race of people, his own lineage begotten after himself when he determined that, and that he was going to erase the breach, or I should say literally reconcile the breach that Lucifer made. Okay? All right. Go ahead and share on Facebook if you're watching this tonight. Go ahead and share, all right, as we go forward. But that he literally was going to repair that breach that sin created in uh, the universe. And so his determination to do so is when Christianity began. It began when God said, let there be. It began when God brought himself into existence. It did not begin when our planet started. And that's where we get stuck because when we start having debates about religions and, and who's first and which God is what, we start with the planet. We start with what showed up and revealed itself on earth. But that's not the beginning of our story. Our story is not about what, what was created here and what we're doing here. Jesus Christ was revealing himself and through Mary. Okay, by the time we get to Matthew and all of that, Jesus Christ is revealing himself. It's his revelation uh, to us on earth. It's not his start. And we can't confuse the two, that his revelation is his beginning. If his beginning was before then, he says that. Amen? So those are your flashbacks for the week. Wanted to talk to you about that. Coming up, we're going to give you some sneak peeks, okay, sneak peeks of of some things that uh, audio messages and things of that nature that Dr. Price has done teaching on this subject that she has done that we want to go ahead and share with you. So there will be some sneak peeks coming up over the weekend, and then tomorrow we'll have a fun Wednesday Warrior Challenge. So make sure you pay attention to the page and that you are connected with the group so that we can continue our warrior journey. All right. Speaking of continuing, we were dealing with page 107 through uh, 108 in your book. 
So we're going to go back there and talk about some things and go through some thoughts today line by line. All right, my, my uh, immortals, my offspring of the Godhead. Here's some reminders about why she starts this off with Romans 4.13 in the book, talking about Abraham being the heir of the world. And it says, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Okay, is what we're talking about in this chapter, how important it is to understand that Abraham was the catalyst for God kickstarting his plan of recovery. After the garden, he kickstarted his recovery plan through making this covenant and this promise to Abraham. And he made a promise to him by faith and not by righteousness. Well, Abraham couldn't have righteousness. He didn't even know God. He didn't know God. He didn't understand who he was. He was a Babylonian prophet. He had not heard his voice before they, they, they connected on this covenant. So there was no way for him to fulfill God's righteousness because he didn't even know who he was. And that's where we miss it sometimes as believers. We think that God's not aware of our imperfections and aware of our inability to fulfill his righteousness because we don't know him, which is why he starts his covenant with faith, believing in him and not necessarily try to please him with your actions and your daily behaviors. That's why Hebrews 11.6 says what? Without faith, you can't please him. Why? Because faith is the only thing you have to please him. You can't do it by your righteousness. You can't do it by your behavior. You can't do it by your preexisting belief system. You can't do it by your actions. You can't do it by your work, because all of those things have been what? Shaped in iniquity. So the only thing that you have to please God when you're entering this relationship is your faith in who he is. Because he knows that through that faith, through that seed of faith in believing who he is, he gets a point of entry into your, your heart, into your soul, and into your spirit to begin the process of relating, pleasing, and conforming to him. But you can't conform to something that you don't know, that you don't understand, and you're just meeting for the first time. So your knowledge, a lot of times people want to start with their knowledge of God, but God says you can't. You have to start with faith. Because he knows that even your knowledge of him is shaped in iniquity. Your perspective of him is shaped in iniquity. So he has to start with you just believing that he is. First, believing that he exists. And then allowing that faith to turn into Love, to turn into devotion, to turn into obedience because you believe him. Ah, because if you don't believe that he exists, you don't believe the words of his mouth, you don't believe that he can do what he says he can do, then guess what? The whole purpose of him being in your life will be for naught. That's why he says the just shall live by faith and not necessarily just by works. The works that you need to do are the works of your faith in God not just activities to try to uh, uh, pay homage or try to absolve yourself from something. That's why when we talk about there's always a big debate, and I remember this in college when I was taking apologetics, the big debate between the just shall live by faith and faith without works is dead. So which one is it? Do we live by faith or do we live by works? Well, you, can, you need to live by the works of your faith in God. Oh, come, come on. Not by the works of your flesh to absolve yourself or to try to appease God through an earthly effort. See, that's the problem with Cain, right? Wasn't that the problem with Cain? He tried to please God through an earthly effort and not by faith in him believing in who he was, what he was, and what he wanted. See, Abel believed in God for who he was. He had faith in him enough to believe what he heard to give him the perfect sacrifice. Oh, come on. Because you can't obey God above your faith in him and believing in his word. That's why when, you're, when you get into a place where your relationship with God begins to break down, it begins to break down at that point of faith, not believing in his word. An alternative word has your ear. An alternative word has your heart. An alternative word has your focus and your devotion. An alternative word. See? Because... When we fall into sin, the fall, like it did in the garden, begins with words before action. Before you take an action, it's your faith and belief in a certain word. See, if Eve never took 
peace of God, when your mind is at enmity with God, then you know that your holiness is in trouble. Your head has just been broken. Because we think that holiness is just about your dress. It's just about, no, no, no. All of those are evidences of where you put your faith. Oh, come on here. How you dress, how you appear, how you go to church, how you serve your God, how you come into his temple, how you deal with his altar are all a, a signs of your faith, where you put your faith. If your faith is just in the escape clause, God will forgive me, but come on, it shows up in your reckless behavior. The more reckless the behavior of the Christian, the more you know that their faith is just in the escape. It's just in being rescued. It's just in barely making it. It's just in not going to hell. But it's not in becoming Jesus Christ. But those whose faith is in becoming Jesus Christ, now those people right there are going to have a changed nature. See, it's all about the perspective. It's all about where you put your faith. If your faith isn't in the change, if your faith isn't in the conversion, if your faith isn't in the transformation, then you're not going to be changed. You're not going to be different. You're going to be just like the world. But if your faith is just in the rescue, if your faith is just in asylum, if your faith is just in silence, if your faith is just in having immunity, then you're not going to change. You're only going to do enough to escape the flame the consequence, but you're not going to do enough to be converted. You're not going to do enough to change. Oh, come on in the place. It's all about where your faith is. That's why Abraham's story was amazing. Why God kickstarted Christianity by faith. First of all, how he made the world himself. He was not going to uh, make us uh, uh, partake of something he himself wasn't the first one of. He had to have faith to bring everything into existence. Faith in himself. Faith in his power, faith in his ability, faith in his authority, faith in his sovereignty, faith in his dominion, faith in his uh, ability to keep something going, sustainability. He had to have that. Faith to establish. So he knows that you can't generate anything because faith is a generator. It generates things in the planet. It's how God gets things into the earth. It's by us. First, believing that he is, believing enough in his nature, trusting in the person. See, we want to start with the possession. We want to have faith in what we can possess in the name of Jesus and bypass faith in the character. But guess what happens? When, you, when the what you possess or the thing you have falls apart, fades away, comes under trial, guess what? You don't have enough faith in God's character to bring you back to him. Oh, come on in here. Your faith has first got to be perfected in the character of who God is. Come on and share it. Come on and share it. This is too good for y'all not to pass this around. Because faith is the catalyst of the continuum. God did not get off course when Lucifer sinned. He did not get off course when one third went away. He did not get off course with those things because he had faith in his ability to sustain, to restore, to redeem, to recover, and to come back. He had faith in his own plan, which is why he didn't have fear. Oh, okay. I'm going to share that. Y'all need to share that. He did not have fear because he had faith in his own plan. Okay. God's faith in his own character is what's preserving us and sustaining us today. It's what's giving us the privilege and the honor of walking with this man and, and being a partaker of these privileges. Oh, come on and share with your friend. Share with your friend right now who's struggling with faith, who's struggling with uh, uh, not being able to, to believe God, who's struggling with those spirits of seduction and temptation and, 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 and oppression and depression and deception. Come on and share this right now, because we keep telling you that it starts with your action. That's why people don't want to do Christ the right way. That's why we got all of this libertinism, because they think it starts with behavior modification. It starts with our actions. It starts with the list of what we can and cannot do. No, it starts with your faith, being perfected by your love, walking in his truth, and secured by holiness. But you'll never get to love if you first don't believe that he is. That is everything. That's why the spirit of prophecy rests on the testimony, us believing Christ's testimony about himself and God's testimony about his son and the Holy Ghost witness about this thing. You see, everything he talks about is his testimony. You have to start believing in Christ's testimony, the things that tested him as God. 
the things that tested him as a human, the things that tested him on the cross, what tested him in hell, what tested him at the ascension, what's testing him all the way into the restitution of this thing, what tested him when he was bringing heaven into existence, what tested him at the beginning and the foundation of our world. Oh, come on. You think what happened to Lucifer didn't test him? You think that that intent God to his very core to say he can act all manner of unrighteous and feel justified in doing so? Yes, but he did not want up. Come on, because God recognized that he was the foundation of it all. He didn't want the foundation of the world. He didn't want the foundation of the universe to rest on that. He didn't want it to rest on hatred. He didn't want it to rest on malice. He did not want the foundations of the world to be built on that because he recognized that he was the pillar. He's the ground of truth. He's the foundation as the creator of it all. He recognized that his character and nature will be fused to everything in creation. It will be what the determination and the determining factor is of how things live, how things die, how it exists. Romans 1 says that, that we can know the attributes and nature of God through creation. He chose to not be tempted and allow anything to alter his character because he knew that if it altered his character, it would alter his creation. Oh, come on in here. Why do you think we can be redeemed? Why do you think that he can restore this thing? Why? Because he knows that our world in its correct state is not a reflection of his character, the character he used in creation. Oh, come on. It's not the founding character. It's not the founding nature. It's not the founding spirit. It's not the spirit that founded this thing. Oh, come on in here. We have to know that. It's not the spirit that founded your faith. See, we, I love Dr. Price's scripturally organic because we've got to get back to the spirit that founded our faith, that framed the world. We've got to get back to the organic spirit that started it all. And it wasn't these imposters running around here trying to poach and hunt the church today. Because we are being hunted. And we're the only people that don't know it. We're living in the, we've been living on a perpetual high and a perpetual arrogance that, you know, everybody's just sitting around waiting for Jesus Christ. No, no. This thing is still about a choice. They're now sitting down waiting. We're being hunted. You are a high-value target. Why? Because you, through your spirit and through your union with God, will give these, these forces access to eternity. Oh, come on. Thank you, because Jesus said he would never leave you nor forsake you, even when you act in the mess, even when you're doing all manner of things in his name, even when you try to bond yourself with other gods. Look at Israel. He didn't leave them nor forsake them, even though they were, he said you're sleeping with a God under every tree. And they were, they, that is how those spirits got access to God's commonwealth, through his people and through his covenant and love. Mm, come on in here. And union with his people. Because God maintained his holiness even when we were unholy and broke our connection with him and began to connect ourselves with other gods. Oh, come on here. None of this starts by the actions. None of this starts by your behavior. It starts with your faith and the word in which you believe. When we say, what's the song we used to sing back in the day? Whose report, come on, is that how it goes? Whose report shall you believe? See, everything starts about whose report. And that contest in the garden showed it. It was a showdown between whose report were they going to believe, the report of the Lord or the report of this imposter. And wherever you put your faith, whosoever word you believe, that becomes your God. That one you'll become a slave to. That one now owns you. Oh, come on in here. The first thing that God has to do when he's redeeming and recovering his people and bringing them from darkness to light is to break their faith in the word of that God. Because that you give power. Oh, come on. You give power to their words over your life. Because you not only will believe them, but you will use them to generate things in your life. You will become the manifestation of their report. You will become the manifestation of their word. You will become a manifestation of their testimony. You will become a manifestation of their doctrine. You will become a manifestation. Okay, come on in here. 
of their belief system. And you have to think about what you're manifesting. Oh, come on and just share this a little bit. We ain't gonna be we ain't gonna be together too much longer today. But you can share this with a little bit with a, with a few friends because we keep telling you that it starts off with your actions and your behaviors. Now, your actions and your behaviors are evidence of what you really believe, of what you believe and whom you believe in. I just can't help myself, but y'all don't understand. I'm just right because you are believing in the power and in the word and the report of the devil about humanity, that God's ways are too hard, that we just can't do it, that we're too weak, we're too feeble, we're unable. Oh, come on in here. So a lot of times we, we, we really do evidence the product of our faith and recognizing, oh, come on, that your salvation starts with what you really believe is true. Abraham was able to take God at his word and believe in his character enough to become the progenitor of the redeemed. He provided God with the genetic material needed for him to redeem the souls of man. He made their souls predisposed to God's option. Oh, come on in here. Is that all right to say? That's why the law couldn't fix, necessarily couldn't fix the problem because the issue wasn't necessarily human behavior. It's what they believed is true, what they believe is real, what they believe should exist. That was the problem. So Abraham, when we're dealing with Abraham and it talks about how he couldn't, God could not. Okay, come on. Abraham, this was the, the promise did not come to Abraham through the law. It came to him through, his, through the righteousness of faith because having faith in God is what's going to produce righteousness. You will not do the right thing if you don't have faith in what God is telling you to do. You won't obey if you don't have faith, if you don't believe that what he's saying is true and that his ways will be able to produce something in you uh, that is different and that is better and superior than what you're living in or what you were born into. You have to believe that Christianity can produce in you something better than what you were born into. But if you believe that your earthly circumstance rules and reigns and that the report of this world is what is the final say on your life, then you will continue to be a product of your Adamic self. And you will only hear about how great and powerful Jesus Christ is and not be a partaker of that divine nature. You can't partake in what you don't believe. Oh, I didn't do it because I didn't think that was true. How many times do we not buy? A salesman come and you don't do it because you don't believe him. I ain't buying that. I don't believe him. I think he's lying. Okay? And you cannot be a partaker of the divine nature if you do not believe in the full character of God first. Abraham had to trust God's character before he could uh, trust his outcome. He knew that God could achieve the outcome because he first trusted his character. And we teach you to trust what you receive and not in who God is. Oh, come on in here. The Word of Faith movement was about the things was about the acquisition of the things and what we, if you believe it, you can conceive it and receive it. It was about what you receive, not if you have faith in God's character, he will do it. He can produce it. He can manifest it, and it will be so. Oh, come on. They believe so much, in what I love about the Old Testament is that they believe so much in God's character that come on in the place. If, like he said, if, you, if I said I'm going to bless you, you know you're going to be blessed. If I said I'm going to curse you, you know you're going to be cursed. You need to believe in every aspect of his character, not just the parts of God that you like. That's the problem with the culturally modified version of Christ. Because we're picking, we literally put together, dressed him like a doll in the things that we can accept and we can believe about him. Ah, but it is a, a, an unwise and delusional. Uh, practice to not believe in God and the entirety of God's character. Because that's what has people acting reckless because they don't believe in the whole character of God. 
And that character goes all the way back to Genesis. It goes all the way back to before Genesis. And because we don't believe in the entirety of his character, we're risking things. We're gambling things. Because we don't think that all aspects of who that man is is true. Because let me tell you something about the fullness of Jesus' character. Yes, love your neighbor. Yes, love your enemy. Yes, love mankind. Yes, pray for men everywhere. But understand that uh, uh, if you come to not all of you who say, Lord, Lord. Oh, come on. Not everybody who calls on my name. Not everybody who says, Lord, Lord. I don't care if you cast out demons. I don't care if you did all these things. I'm going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. See, see, that's the, come on here. That's the full character of Jesus Christ. That's like, you know, you, uh, people constantly believing that you're only nice. And so because they think that you're just a nice person, and you're so nice, you're so nice, you're so nice, they try to walk all over you because they don't believe that there are other aspects of your character that will rise up and defend your righteousness and defend, okay, your standards and defend your way of life. How many of y'all have ever been blindsided by a person because you just didn't believe in the whole, whole, the whole or the totality, really, of their character? You couldn't believe that, that the total self. Oh, I didn't think you had it in you. And that's what people are going to be surprised about with God. They don't think they ha- that he had it in them, even though he's been doing it since time began, since before time began. His nature and character hasn't changed, but we don't believe in this generation that he has it in him. Well, your idol doesn't have it in him, but your God does. And you have got to separate your God from the cultural icon that they've made. We've made an iconic Christ. That we're trying to, that the world has made an iconic Christ that they can live with, that they're trying to get us to conform to. That's why we have to go back to the spirit that founded it all. We have to go back to those foundations. We have to go back to the organic, the origenics of this thing. And that's what Before the Garden gives you, the origenics of that. A term that Dr. Price coined many years ago when she was trying to get us as prophets to understand where our words came from. That's why God is hard on on false prophets because they will generate things. They will bring things into existence that can't profit and that can't be sustained and that only exist to deceive. A lot of false prophecy will, will exist long enough to deceive you into following another God. See, Satan told just enough truth to get Eve to eat. Come on in here. He told just enough truth. He was the first false prophet in creation. Right? So he told just enough truth to deceive them and to lure them in to the deception. But in the end, the goal, the only thing that that word could produce is corruption. In the end, it could only kill them. And that's what false prophecy does. It gives you the perfect delusion. It gives you just enough truth. It, okay, it mixes that thing up so well, makes it look like it's all lined up and come to pass so that it can literally lure you into destruction. In the end, if it's a false word, it will destroy your soul. It won't just not come to pass. It'll come to pass. Something will happen. It will bear fruit, but the fruit will be destruction. That's the best misnomer, or I should say uh, 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 the, the misunderstanding that we have about um, false prophecy. The misunderstanding we have about false prophecy is that it doesn't come to pass or it doesn't produce any fruit. Oh, yes, it does. It produces the fruit of destruction. Adam and Eve died on Satan's word. How many visions die? How many, how many destinies die? because of a false report. And you won't be able to discern false from truth if you don't believe in your faith first is not established in God's character, in the fullness of God's character. If your faith is not fully established in the, the, the totality of God's nature, the totality of God's character, God the Holy One, God the Righteous One, God the Faithful One, God the Mighty One, God the Loving One, God the Keeping One, God the Redeeming One, God the Sovereign One, God the Domaining One, okay, a Ruling One, if you do not believe that in the totality of his character, you'll never be able to distinguish far from truth. Why? Because you have too many cracks in your armor or in your, the helmet of your salvation for alternatives to slip in there. 
Because how did, how did uh, uh, Satan start this thing off, which kickstarts the continuum? I mean, but did God really say? You can only de- defeat the, did God really say? Okay? And are you really the son of God moment? If you have full faith in his character. If you have full faith in understanding of God's character, you will quickly spot the deception. Because God's character is the lie detector. We tell you it's your knowledge, but it's your knowledge of what? He said, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against your knowledge of God. Your knowledge cannot be perfected. Your knowledge of God won't be complete, and it won't be perfected until you can accept his entire character. If there are skip-over scriptures, skip-over verses in the Bible, confusing things in the, about who he is and what is written in that book and what you understand today, then guess what? Those are fractures and holes and outlets and channels in which alternatives can enter produces an alternative. It's wrong because it doesn't produce God's already pre-designed results of righteousness. Righteousness is God's ordained or pre-designed outcome for a thing. It's already been pre-designed to function and work this way. It has a pre-designed outcome. That is righteousness. Yes? So understand that if you don't, okay, if you have those places where you don't understand and you're confused and you don't just, you just bypass it and skip on and move on, well, I don't understand it, but I'll just kind of take it by faith or I don't understand it, so I ain't going to worry about it. Understand that you have a, an avenue and an area in which the alternative can slip in. See, it's what Adam didn't know about God that made, and Eve didn't know about God and that he couldn't even explain to her about God that made them vulnerable to an alternative. You have to examine the areas in which you are vulnerable to the alternative sound and the alternative word of an alternative God. Many spirits have gone out. You can't test the spirit if you don't have a full understanding of God's character. What are you weighing it against? Discernment doesn't work unless you uh, have two opposing things. You have the ability to distinguish between two opposing things. That's discernment. But if you don't see a difference, like today, we don't see a difference. Well, what's wrong with that? I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't think it's all. I think Christians can curse sometimes. It's okay. See, if you can't discern differences, then you can't use discernment. Your discernment has just been shut off because you're determining that everything's okay. So if you're not looking for differences, you're not looking for distinction. You're not trying to be separated. You don't want to come out from among them. Then you don't, you, the discernment ain't going to work with you. That's because for you, it's all just all the same. Well, Allah and Jesus Christ is the same. Okay? Uh, okay, everybody's the same. Let's find ways to be the same. This whole false unity movement in our world is about making everybody the same. So that the distinctions that will help you know the holy from the unholy, okay, the lies from the truth are gone. They're erasing the distinctions. They're erasing the lines. They're erasing the demarcation so that you won't know who, what God you're serving. And they will convince you it doesn't matter. Are they not? They're convincing us it doesn't matter. Just engage with any spirit. And that's fine if you don't have a particular objective for your own destiny. But if you have an objective for your destiny to end up in the promise that Jesus Christ laid out in that scripture, then you probably want to have some distinction. You probably want to have some things around you so that you can test a spirit. You recognize that they're taking away your ability to test a spirit by continuing to break down and break down and break down all of the guards and all of the filters you use to defend yourself and protect yourself and to secure yourself in God's truth. Don't be too judgmental. Don't be too legalistic. Don't be too religious. Don't be too this. Why? Breaking you down. So now you're going to be more conscious about yourself and about your offense to your neighbor than you are cognizant of your compatibility with your God. And you have to decide. Do I want to be compatible with this world? When he said in, in Romans 12, 1 through 3, we know it. Come on now. 
living sacrifice, be not conformed to this world, to the pattern of this world. You have to decide, is it more important for you to be compatible with your neighbor or fuse with your God? And Jesus already let you know they ain't going to be one and the same. Then he already let you know that they ain't going to be one and the same. They're not going to be one and the same. Me and your neighbor may not get along. That's why he said, I did not come to earth to bring peace, but a sword of division. Set your mother against the daughter, the father against the son. Come on, he said, uh, uh, the foes of, an, of a man will beat of his own household. So you have some tough, tough calls to make if you're going to be the elect. If you're going to confirm your appointment as the elect. We talked about salvation being a confirmation. If you're going to confirm that appointment, you've got some tough calls to make. Who are you going to be compatible with? Your neighbor or your God? And that's the context we're in right now. They're making you believe that it's about hatred. They're making you believe it's about uh, not getting along with people and making people upset and mad at you. No, it's about taking you away from the fusion, from being fused and holistic with your God and compatible with them. They're literally serving up what they feel is a more compatible version of Christianity, one in which we don't say nothing, we see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, judge no evil. Come on in here. That's the more compatible and palatable version, the kind of Christianity that will get along with the pantheon, not that will come and rule and destroy the works of the devil. So there's two kinds of Christians, the ones that want to destroy the works of the devil and the ones that want to exist in the pantheon, that want to be on his clock, that want to be on his payroll, that want to be a part of his system. And you have to decide what kind of Christian you want to be, one of the devil's payroll or one that's here to destroy his works. But you first got to believe that God's identity, that God, oh, come on, understanding of him, that God's explanation of these things are true, that your God's nature is true, that your God's nature is right. It says that God be true and every man be a liar. You have to decide today if your God's nature is true. Oh, come on. Whose report will you really believe? I know we say that about our health. We say that about our children. We say that about the things we're struggling with. But the first report you've got to believe is the report and testimony of who your God is and has been forever and will be forevermore. Secure your faith in who your God is, his character, his nature, because that's what happened before the garden. God's faith and character existed before the garden. It was not waiting for humanity to define it. See, we think that we're here to define God's nature and character. No, we're here to make a choice, and we will accept what is and what has been revealed in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or we will continue to live under the lie that took out Adam and Eve, the doctrine of the fallen man. Oh, come on in here. The doctrine of the fallen man. That's what it comes down to. This world makes you feel like that, you know, if you stand up in, for righteousness and you continue to live the way according to the pattern of the culture of heaven and the kingdom in which you came from, that somehow you're being exclusive and somehow you're being divisive. And to a degree we are, because that's what Jesus said he was going to do. Separate that wheat from the chaff, the sheep from the goat. Come on here. But God said something very basic to, to Cain before he never spoke to him again. He said, but you know what? If you do well, you'll be accepted. This is not something that God is trying to uh, exclude the whole world from. He says, if you do well, you'll be accepted. And we have to decide if we want to do well. Cain did not want to do well. He wanted to stay under the system of Lucifer. He liked that system better. And he believed that report. And that was his choice. And after that, he saw God not again. After you make your choice to embrace the cult of this world, the cult church of this world, trust me, like Cain, you ain't going to see him again. Because darkness hides him, 
and he lets darkness hide him on purpose because he only wants to be a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Because if you're seeking him diligently, and what I love about the word diligence is that it means painstakingly attentive, painstakingly meticulous, that if you're going through those kinds of lights to know him, to understand him, and to conform to him, then that means that you're worthy of him. God says you can't even touch his plow if you ain't willing to walk away from everything in this world. Oh, come on. He said you're not worthy of me. If this world has you, then you're not worthy of what I have. Because what I'm offering is better. What I'm offering is the true riches. What I'm offering is the next step. What I'm offering is the next place. And you have a tough call to make. As a believer in this age, we keep telling you, uh, what people keep saying that the great divide is coming, I submit to you that it's already here. This is about dividing and separating out the seed of Abraham that belonged to Jesus Christ. Because that was their deal. That was their covenant. And now he's got to scour the planet for what is his, for the eternal souls that were set aside for him in Abraham's loins. Abraham's loins set aside souls. For Jesus Christ, that out of this world, he would have his own remnant. He would have his own people. Oh, come on. And how is that true? How can that be true? I mean, you're talking about, you know, Abraham's seed. We already know this as the Jews. First of all, we ain't going to talk about the fact that technically, let's talk about Ishmael. That's Abraham's seed. Now, they came out of, of okay, come on, we already know what could happen. We have all of them women that Solomon slept with, all of the people who mixed up in the diaspora. Come on. We have all of the, I mean, Abraham's seed was scattered all over the place on purpose so that God could honor his promise that in him every family of the earth would be blessed and that he would be able to redeem the planet through Abraham's seed, through Abraham providing genetically the souls and the material needed for him to create or fuse with to create the human divine race. Oh, come on in the place. Come on in the place. So you have some decisions to make in this season as warriors, challenging you today as warriors to make some decisions about who, who, whose report you're going to believe. And if you're going to get back on that payroll, 